Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast where we dish out the chili recipes and get you ready for some Texan Tech football. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. It's a brisk 40 slash 39 degrees here at HQ North, where we're uh, ready to get going and get ready for this Kansas game. Yeah, we are. So before we get there, we're going to we're gonna definitely have to talk about some weather-appropriate foods. There is... Another intro topic that's actually sports-related we'll, we'll touch on. A player has declared he's going to sit out the rest of this season to get ready for the NFL draft after six weeks. Bold. <laughs> bold move. We're going to touch on fantasy really quickly because I don't want to spend too much time there. <laughs> for obvious reasons this week. <laughs> Spoiler. We've got, obviously, the football preview this week. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it because I'm, I'm after to tag his account. We are joined for the Kansas preview by the University of Kansas Director of Broadcasting, voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Thank you so much, Mr. Haney, Dude, for so, coming so awesome. on. Uh, I haven't gotten to hear this yet, but I'm looking forward to, to hearing him again. And Whoops. Uh, you know, I, as, as great as Jeff Haxton is, it took a while to get used to Jeff just because I had gotten so accustomed to hearing Haney make the calls here for especially uh, basketball but baseball too because I know he was along for the first maybe two World Series trips. So he was here for four years 2012 to 2016. Okay so I think he was here for two mm-hmm. those those first two yeah trips to the World Series so anyway it, it, I'm, I'm interested to see what he has to say and I, I haven't heard it yet but so I, I'm not gonna lie um it took me a little while to get used to Brian on the call um, for, for basketball and, and for baseball. It's what he did for for Texas Tech. It took me even longer to adjust to Jeff. Now, I love Haxton, especially on baseball. I love it. The, Both these guys are, have been great. The bang, guns up three ball probably took yeah. me the longest to get used to. Yeah. But I love it. I, lo- I like I love it, it, too. I love Haxton. Um, so he helps us break down the Jayhawks. We're often going to do some of our, our preview on it. Before we, we turn it over to Jeff, I mean, Brian. Brian. Um, got a couple questions for you guys, and we'll just roll from there. We, we got so much to get to. The, the preview with Brian is a full 30 minutes. He gave us a lot of his time this afternoon. Really grateful for that. Want to make sure we get to it. But first, Michael said it's cold. We had chili on Sunday uh, with my in-laws. It was <coughs> edible. But it definitely left me wanting. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make chili this week, right? Because it's still cold. It's still rainy. It's still damp and dreary and all that kind of stuff. So 
I haven't found a recipe that I would go back to yet. Although the one I did last night and then I ate tonight probably as close as I'm going to get. I'm probably just going to write that down and just tweak it from there. Uh, if you're familiar with the pioneer woman, Reed Drummond, she's uh she's, she's part of our extended family. Basically. That's, that's how, that's how we think of Although her. Although she's an Okie. No, yeah. she's fine. That's, that's good. It's okay. So her, her chili recipe was a great start. I was going for more like a, getting a bowl of chili. Her recipe was more like a, a chili that you'd put something on, like you'd put it on top of Fritos or on top of a, a hot dog or something. So it's not ve- not a very saucy no, chili. No, it, more it was, of a, it was a, it was pretty thick, right? Hearty. Um, I'm telling you, should put that on. You should have some sort of chili cheeseburger. I probably would, but like, but like I said, th- this recipe was really good. I I was more looking for a bowl of chili, so I I found another recipe that had more of the the, the bowl of chili type of uh, ingredients. I ended up adding tomatoes and beef stock to it to kind of loosen it a little bit Mm -hmm. made a fantastic bowl of chili uh samantha the wife was apprehensive because it did have a little bit of heat it had a quarter teaspoon of cayenne and she's like oh it's spicy i was like it'll spread out oh i can kick this up a notch real easy right well i was going to ask you what is your you know you're 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 given a bowl of chili and then you have just any topping you can want Anything you would cheese. add to it. Cheese and or sour cream. Cheese and or sour cream. Nothing else. I mean, a topping. No jalapenos like, or onion well, or. Onion and jalapenos. I've, I've cooked those into the chili before. And I, I, I prefer it that way. There's onions in this soup that I cooked with the meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do jalapenos because I knew that Samantha was going to be eating it and she's not a spicy food person at all. So I left those peppers out. I did have some dried red pepper flakes to give more like the. Oh, there you the go. The peppers. Yeah. And again, it was a really small amount. Another opportunity to really kick it up a notch. Fantastic recipe. It also calls for to use masa to thicken it. Oh. Big fan of that's that. That's a nice trick. Big fan. That's the same thing for tamales? And tortillas, yeah. Oh, man. So you like you make a little slurry of it. It's a, it's like a quarter cup of masa to like a half cup of water, and it makes like a, a goo. You dump that in, you stir it. The only thing I, I would I wish that was a little different with the masa enough masa I had to use to thicken up to my liking it was a little light in color. Um, tasted fantastic. Well, maybe there's some way you could tweak that next time. Maybe you could I don't know. Maybe you could put that in it your so notes good. and just you know add some some spicy ketchup to it. <laughs> I'm just the kidding. other thing. I don't think that would work well at all. I'm a staunch like no beans and chili type of guy. Samantha is a big fan of the beans, and she's like, "Well, I want I want beans in the chili." So, like, you serve them on the side? No, I, I broke down. I I put half of the rest of what it called for in beans into the chili. So it called for two cans of chili or uh, of beans, uh, a can of red beans and a can of pinto. I put half a can of each. Okay, I would probably compromise. Yeah, I'd pro- I'd probably go a little lighter, and maybe just do kidney beans instead of the pinto. I'm not sure. It was good. I, I'm I'm not like I'm not a big bean person. It was fine. It's like putting potato in like a burrito. It's kind of <laughs> it's a filler. Just kind of there. It it's a texture change. Takes up some room. Yeah. So, anyways, you guys that are cooking chili, Michael and uh, the wife up here at HQ North made some. Yeah. Direct okay. directly behind me is some chili made with some leftover brisket that I had smoked over the summer, and she pulled that out of the freezer and thought it. 
and we do when I say we, she she makes it of course, but <laughs> uh when she does the brisket chili, she does put black beans in it. Which of course I think we've talked about this before. I'm okay with I'm not gonna look down a bowl of chili because it has beans in it. It just wouldn't be Texas chili, which is fine with me. So this is more of like a Southwest type chili. It's got big chunks of smoked brisket in it, uh, beans, onions, tomatoes, bell pepper, and I'm sure a couple other things I'm leaving out. And then we use this, um, we had this rub that I got this from Salt Lick, and it's just their basic. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Dry rub. It is so peppery. They have a lot of black pepper and possibly red pepper and maybe cayenne in that thing. Oh. And that was why we had... Sounds so good. Well, that was why we discovered this, or, or my wife discovered how to reuse brisket leftovers because I made a brisket that was so hot, <laughs> none of us could really comfortably eat it. So she figured out, oh, I'm just going to throw it into chili, and she hardly seasoned it at all because it was covered in that same heat. But the chili turned out so good that we still use that seasoning. Whenever she makes that chili, we we add it to the Very nice. the chili itself. So we've got that on the crock pot behind us if uh, if we need a snack here in a little bit. But although we'll I, probably be okay, I I did bring some Klimke's beef jerky tonight. I know I'm really trying not to eat while I record. It, it's difficult because the bags are open. He also he also uh, came bearing a, a a big red so. Texas, it's Big Red and, and Dr. Pepper. Big Red and Klimke's Jerky from Slayton, and we're talking Texas chili. All right, let's talk about uh, some football news. If you haven't heard yet, not like it's super applicable to Texas Tech, I just think it's interesting in the the realm of college football. Excuse me. That's that dang Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, Nick Bosa from the Ohio State. I just like roll my eyes when I say the, but I... You I can't help it. I couldn't help it. Yeah. He has... Uh, played in a few games this season. He got injured pretty early on this season. It may have been against TCU. Announced very recently, whether it was today, which is Tuesday, or this past weekend, that he would forego the rest of his season and prepare for the NFL draft, which is not something you, you hear because it's usually like somebody that's getting ready for a bowl game that says, nah, I'm going to skip the bowl game and go ahead and start my, my NFL prep. This dude's prepping like nine months in advance. He's uh, Well, what kind of – and I didn't know anything about this – so he's projected. What kind like, of inju- injury did he have? Do you know? Ooh, I'd have to look it up. But he's projected like top five. Really? So there's a lot to to risk there in terms of um, if he's going to come back and play and risk it, or 
uh, just go ahead and sit it out. Well, that would just take, is he on scholarship? How does that work? Uh, Can they revoke yes. your scholarship if you essentially quit early? I have no idea. Uh, does it have anything to do with, could he claim that he quit because of his injury or he's not really quitting? He's still going to go to practices and and stuff but not play? See, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how all that works, if he can still use the facilities or if he's going to just go ahead and uh, get on with the gym somewhere else. But, yeah, he announced some of those stories that are coming out nine hours ago, so about lunchtime on Tuesday, that he was done at Ohio State and be prepping for the NFL. So what is your take, Michael, on players leaving school early Foregoing games left in an eligibility year, like a bowl game, or like Nick Bosa, he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and take the rest of the year off. This to could get ready for the draft. This could become. This is the first time I've heard of it happening this early. I kind of hope it doesn't become too much of a trend. But I, I mean, I, I support. And we've talked about this. I support players that. I do wish they could, make some money off their likeness at least and not have uh and you know the transfer rules i i'm i'm pretty good with those because I, I feel like they're they're kind of locked in somewhere and then if a coaching regime completely changes and they don't agree with their philosophy or they just it's just they's just not who they want to play for then they're stuck there sometimes so i like the giving the players a little bit more power and a little bit more leverage i'm not so sure how i feel about this i think a bowl game, I have no issue with that at all because, one, that is really close to when you would truly start preparing for the combine anyway. And, two, you know, especially if you're a 6-6 team about to go into a bowl game, you've made it this far in your career. And, you know, if you go to the Meineke Car Care Bowl and blow out your knee, then that kind of ruins your draft chances, at least for that year. So, I, I totally see that making sense. So in this he, case, it kind of makes sense a little bit just because he may be concerned with being re-injured, but I, I'm not so sure I am on completely on board with this. So he was injured in the game against TCU on September 15th, so that should have been week three. Yes. Uh, it says he had surgery to repair the injury. It was an injury of a core muscle. Oh, so, one of those muscle injuries that probably just nag forever. Yeah. Also worth noting that currently he was the number one prospect on the NFL draft boards. Just number one overall, mm-hmm. a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Younger brother, a talented Joey Bosa. guy. Yep. So, well, I think it's, <laughs> you throw all that in, into the mix. I, I don't fault him when you put all that together. It also just feels, it feels like it just feels just cheapens the college experience, right? A little bit. Because I I hesitate to fully get on board with the college as a preparatory league for the NFL because that's only true for a very small percentage of players. And I don't know how else to, to treat it for like the tier one, top 1% talent that right. really just uses the college game as a stepping stone because there is no rule to go from high school to the NFL Although I don't think many players could make that transition. Um, 
So yeah, I'm not like I'm not a big fan of it. Bowl games, I can kind of understand. Oh yeah, I this totally kind get of that situation. I can understand, but like, it's a slippery slope in my mind where somebody could be like, you know what, I'm I'm, we're not we're not doing too hot this year. I'm gonna, I'm done. That's where I wonder if, if that has any sort of implications with scholarships or anything. Uh, not necessarily that it should, but if anyone else decided to quit quit after an injury to uh pursue a career in engineering uh i mean i i'm assuming that that would be frowned upon quite a bit to to like well you know i really need to focus on school and i'm going to change my major and from kinesiology to engineering and if they do that then they they'll probably revoke their scholarship or have a little bit more to say about it. But this guy, I, number one overall pick that, that changes your mind a lot, especially if you get some sort of injury, uh, as a Spurs fan, I've seen how a quadricep your have your Spurs have been decimated. Quadricep injury can, can, uh, get the player that you thought was going to retire a spur over to Toronto. And then, Everyone else gets injured before the season starts. But I, I just know how crucial that is, but I'm, I'm not totally sold on it either. Yeah. Anyways, I, I thought it was worth bringing up since it's kind of a big thing, big deal with the number one overall. I had, I had one other thing too. I'm a little more disappointed that it's at the Ohio State University as opposed to the Boise State University or someplace like that where – You've got this really standout kid who's somehow projected to go number one on a team that's probably going to just do okay. This guy is on a team that probably has a shot at making the the playoff still. I would say so. I think they're second in yeah. the rankings right now. So. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of uh, – it kind of makes me think twice why he wouldn't want to be a part of that unless he's really concerned about – his draft stock and, and being injured. And I don't blame him for being I'm, concerned about injuries, but I, I think I would see it more if he was playing at Nevada and then decided, you know what? I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to hold out till the end of the year. You know, no, you're, you're playing at one of the, the best uh, traditional college powerhouses in the nation. And then you're just, nah, I don't really, I'm, I'm good. I'll just stop here in September. There's a lot to unpack there. I don't think tonight's the night to get into that. Probably not. <laughs> if we didn't have a game this week, we would we would we would go on to because I I would say I'm probably in direct opposition to everything you just said. Oh man. Okay. Because really quickly, as as a as a As a big fish in a small pond, he's like if he was like the number one guy at Nevada, I think it would be the opposite that he should be more involved with the team because they built the team around him. Whereas at Ohio State, he's just a piece, right? He's a cog. It'd be much more devastating wheel. if he right. Yeah, I see. I see your point there. Okay, but like I said, I don't really want to jump into that because we've got so much to get to, and I want to keep this to a respectable length. Um. Fantasy, Michael wiped the floor with me this week. He beat me by another another 200-point victory. It was. I'm not sure it was how a this commanding, happened. It was a commanding victory. Because Michael had seven players and I had eight. He was missing a player. Was that really? Yeah. How and did I do that? 
That can't be right. Quarterback, you had two running backs. You only had one receiver. That's what it was. You had one receiver. Oh, man. I totally, well, I, no. Somehow I so biffed that. You had two receivers instead of three. But here's the thing. This week, I, I went ahead and, and made some moves and without telling you, obviously, because this is a, a uh, competitive advantage. There are only four Big 12 teams in action this week. Believe me, I am aware. Well, I know. I, I think I was aware of this yesterday. And like, I had to make... Make some roster moves. I made ten moves today. They are just. I, we I, are scrambling to get to to fill out a team, even though there's only two of us. We're scrambling well, to fill out a team with just four teams playing. I, I think this is the week that we also like. Oh crap! Everybody's out this week. week yeah, eight. Right. That week was eight. my. This was my big week because uh, my offense relies a lot on West Virginia, and they gone. And they are on by this week, along with five other teams. Yeah, so it's just it's a, it's one strange that the Big Twelve lined up all their bye weeks the way they did. Everybody took a bye week on either six, seven, or eight. Um, so after this week, nobody will have a bye week the rest of the season. I kind of like it, but fantasy wise, it made things a little challenging this week when there's only four teams playing. Definitely. So it's OU versus TCU, Texas Tech versus Kansas. It's going to be points are going to come at a premium this week. Yeah, the, I think this will be. I'll probably watch this fantasy matchup the most i've watched any of them because we're playing players we normally wouldn't play um i mean i've got kansas's defense starting against tech bold move cotton well because it was either them or uh tcu's defense against the sooners which doesn't sound like that's gonna go out very well you're starting jet duffy at quarterback i'm starting jet duffy at quarterback which hopefully will play the whole game i don't even know if that's gonna happen now um, you're you're you starting Kansas defense is is pretty good because it's something we talk about in, in the preview. They are number one in the nation in turnover margin. Right, I saw that they're plus thirteen. I think they're they're they forced eighteen turnovers this season. Well, and I thought you know Duffy's a little turnover prone. He is, he is. <laughs> so that could work into my favor. And then, uh, of course, I think the other change I had to make this week, or one of the other ones, was I picked up Clayton Hatfield because my other kicker was. Uh, the kid for Oklahoma State, and of course they're off this week. I've got Tajon Henry in at running back, and I don't think he's going to get very many carries. But I, I was out of options, yeah. uh, so it was I, either him or you know I might have to pick up Felton. But I don't know how many carries he's going to get either. It's one of those things you have to like decide. Okay, who's who's Tech going to play like as a number one back this weekend? Right, right. So I I had to go back and I picked up uh, Trey Sermon again from Oklahoma. I dropped him a few weeks ago. And Puka Williams from Kansas. Gosh, that's such a great name. Uh, Daquan Bowman, again, for the return yards, hopefully. I almost picked up high. But here's the thing. If we can force Kansas to punt a lot, you are you're screwed. Why? <laughs> Why? You got a returner over there? Daquan Bowman. Oh, then, oh, oh, if we can. Yeah, sorry. And then Antoine Wesley is assuming we can, we can uh, complete a pass to the outside with Jet Duffy. C.D. Lamb. Oh, I've also starting Kyler Murray, so... We'll yeah, see. that's not bad. <laughs> and the Texas Tech defense versus Kansas. Yeah, we've got the we've got the opposing defenses. I also picked up Jalen Rager for TCU. He had a he's had some good catches here and there. Still got Gavante Turpin. He's been really uh, a pretty good player on fantasy, especially with those return yards. And Darius Anderson, and of course Marquise Hollywood Brown. So I've got. Uh, a lot of TCU and a lot of a little bit of everything in there. It, 
you kind of have to since we're going no we're, we're we're really we're really doing the best we can this was this was fun this was a fun lineup to put together i had to drop bowman because i had to put will greer on injured reserve and i i hated dropping bowman because i wanted to keep him because i know he'll be back and i'm sure he'll do great but now spencer's over there licking his chops to pick up bowman when i'm not uh, I'm expecting gonna, it i'm gonna go drop mclean carter and go get bowman right now <laughs> You would. You would tell. I saw you still had Carter on your roster. I'm not t- touching my phone. <laughs> All right. So, football. Let's get to football. We cool. are 22:45 in. All right. That's more of a mental note for me, so I can make a a note in the the show notes. We're halfway through the season. I, I think we touched on this last week. Halfway through the season, four and two, set it pretty well to go eight and four. Seven and five would feel kind of like like a disappointment, but it's a definite possibility. Set it pretty well going through the last six games. This was a question kind of posed last week, but I wanted to kind of expand on it a little bit and give some proof points, some data, some data points to our, our discussion here. Um, Michael's phone just went off because he didn't put it on silent. Nope. Best win of the season. I, I think the question was last week, whether, whether it was OSU or TCU, I went ahead and threw in a third team for consideration. I, th- I noticed Houston. that. Yeah, I noticed that. And someone else mentioned that today. Now, I forget who it was or where I saw it. Somewhere in the intertubes. Inter-tubes. It was, oh, it was uh, my score app randomly alerted me of this Big 12 article where the author had graded all of the teams and they gave Tech a B. And they kind of dogged them for the OSU win doesn't look as big now, but that Houston win actually does. Yeah. So let's talk about this for a second. With the most recently updated um, S&P Plus rankings, we're going to go through the teams. Houston overall, number 28, with an 18th ranked offense and a 60th ranked defense. Oklahoma State overall, 25th ranked. 14th ranked offense, 59th ranked defense. So Houston and OSU are really close. Neck and neck. TCU, however... 46th overall, 94th ranked offense, 14th ranked defense, and for comparison's sake, Texas Tech, 35th overall, 11th offense, 95th defense. 11th offense. I didn't know that. And these are updated numbers. So doing this, I also found out the the leader in offense in college football right now, and it's it's going to put a hamper in our do we want Bama jokes because it is none other than Alabama. They are leading the country in offense. They are railroading people. They were, they're scoring two touchdowns in the first two minutes of every game or some some crazy stat. I don't, I actually, I don't think that's true, but I think they've done that in the Chua last Tua Tagovailoa is only playing like half a game because they're up so big at halftime. Well, and I think they're handing the ball off too. I mean, yeah. They're just they're – they're, they're putting up between 28 and 40 points in the first half. Yeah, I, I keep seeing tweets about – people getting really excited to see Notre Dame lose by 14 touchdowns to Alabama at some point in January. It's yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, okay, I, I, I didn't pay any attention to Alabama really. So like when it's like, yeah, we want Bama. No, I, I don't think so. Not anymore. Yeah. We weren't asked that question this week, but uh, Adam, in case you're listening, I, I don't think we want, I don't think we want Bama. No. Okay. So back to the question, best one of the season. I am actually going to hang my hat on Houston at this what? point. Because Houston, they have the best record. Now, granted, they play in a lower conference. 
They are neck and neck basically with OSU and the advanced stats. The eye test though, Oklahoma State looks like they are teetering on the cliff and they're about to fall on their face. They they lost to West Virginia, understandable, lost to Iowa State. That's becoming kind of understandable, but like Kansas State. They lost to Kansas State and it was ugly. Mm-hmm. That was that, your that, that was your was phone. <laughs> your phone buzzed. At least it was on vibrate, not so I'm going to say I'm going to say Houston because they're 5 and 1 and we're the one. We Texas Tech is the one on that schedule on that the the lone blemish on their their record right now is Texas Tech and you beat them by 21. Well, you beat them by 14. They scored a touchdown with like a minute to go. You really beat them by by 21. Also, Houston was the last team that you gave up meaningful points in the second half to. That's true. Well, that your defense gave up points to. We we still were up two scores for the pretty much the entire second half, but they did continue to score. Houston scored 21 Honest. points in the second half, which is more About than you would of like. What they scored. I, I forgot what the score of that game was. It was 63-49. Yeah. So they scored four touchdowns in the first half, three touchdowns in the second half. One of those was really late. Since then, you've given up you've given up seven offensive points. That's not bad. In the second seven. half, in the second, yeah, in the second half, your defense has given up seven. Your defense has given up seven points to TCU. I still, I I think we discussed it in the instant reaction. I still think OSU. I, th- I still think Oklahoma State's the biggest win, just just from a mental block standpoint. Sure, it was on the road. It was at their place. We haven't won in quite some time. And I think theirs kind of depends on how they perform the rest of the season. If they end up going like five and seven, you really want to claim, oh, we beat a five and seven team. That was no, the biggest win. No, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> you really don't. And because at that time they were undefeated, and people really thought they were going to be great. So I, I right then it felt great. It still feels pretty good, just because I'm a, I'm not a big fan of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. But no, you're totally right that. Uh, corn dog does not look good. None of them, Mm-mm. none of them are doing very well. Uh, so to to go down to Kansas State, especially the way they did, that definitely knocks some of the glimmer off of it. But you know, maybe in two weeks from now, I'll have a different answer, or, or you know, a week from now, I'll have a different answer. But for now, it's still OSU. I I hadn't even really looked into Houston at all since a I, week or two after we played them. I hadn't either until I was doing some research for this game against Kansas. I was like, oh, Houston's 5 and 1. I'll have I'll have to look into that some more and just kind of I was like, I know they lost I might to be us. able to talk myself about it a little bit. I mean, TCU, I I'd still just looking at that list just because I, it doesn't mean as much to me. I I've, I've got Houston third. I've got Oklahoma State, TCU, then Houston as far as best win quote. Call it homerism or I'm trying to justify my pick. I think Houston could beat both of those teams. And not like like one every ten. I think if they played Houston, or Oklahoma State and TCU back-to-back weeks, I think Houston wins both of those games. You know what we should do? We should dig up Arizona's, <laughs> Arizona's S&P Plus rankings and see kind of where they are because, my gosh, they embarrassed Arizona. And, and they really were. I mean, they are a very good offensive team. 
those receivers are just massive. So I, I'll have to I'll have to get back with you right now. No. Because it's Houston and it was home. The other two were away. Okay, so let's talk about this the game this weekend against Kansas. Looking at S and P plus ratings, Kansas is a hundred and third overall, hundred and twelfth offense, and seventy eighth defense. So they have the worst defense, except for us. We have a, a Texas Tech has a lower ranked defense. They have the lowest ranked offense we've seen since Lamar. Right. The, since they're unranked, basically. The, the defense, as you touched on earlier, we've we've got to pay attention to that. I feel. Uh, you got to stop burping into the mic, dude. That's not me. I'm not doing that. I don't know what you're hearing. I'm hearing some gurglies over there, man. I don't think it's me. Well, not intentionally. But their their defense, I know this isn't a great measure, but in our fantasy league, they've scored the most points in the entire Big 12. It's because of all their turnovers. That's right. But that doesn't mean that they're the best defense in the league. Well, it sure doesn't hurt to get some more, to get the ball coming your way. Of course, it doesn't help when the offense can't score as, as efficiently as you'd like, but... I think that defense could match up kind of in their favor against uh, a Jet Duffy-led offense this weekend. That That's what makes me nervous. I think Jet Duffy will be the starter, and I think he's got a propensity to turn the ball over. A team that has turned teams over a lot. They, they do have three defensive touchdowns. However, in the conversation you'll hear with Brian a little bit later, of the 15 turnovers gained... Kansas has only scored points off of three of those turnovers. Wow. Outside of the pick sixes. Well, and that's just okay. But that's and that's just points in general. It mm-hmm. may it might have just been a field goal. Their offense has been so bad that even when they get a turnover, more times than not, unless they were like if they return the interception or a scoop and score, mm-hmm. like a, a fumble for a touchdown, more times than not, they're not going to do anything with it. So I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom or anything, but but I just do think their their defense is is is, is definitely something to not just oh we'll just our offense will just run right through them. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Well, I I think their defensive stops have been turnovers. They right. are the Oklahoma State from a couple of years ago, the Texas Tech from maybe last year. Last year, yeah, where they're forcing everybody to turn. If they're not forcing turnovers, though, they're not doing anything. Right. So, uh, I don't want to get too much into that because I, I, we've got a good interview with Brian. Um, this is, I guess, another week where everybody's kind of trying to figure out who the starting quarterbacks are. We think Jet Duffy's going to start for Texas Tech. Brian seemed fairly confident that Peyton Bender is going to be starting for Kansas. Uh, we faced him at in Kansas in Lawrence last year. Wasn't super impressed that year. Obviously, he's allowed to get better, but he's a he's a pocket passer. Um, they under former offensive coordinator Doug Meacham. I can say that because he was fired a week ago. Wow, mid season, like five weeks in. Uh, this was people were talking about him eventually getting the HC job at Tech. 
I remember hearing that. He's losing s- some luster now. He he couldn't get the, the offense rolling. Well, it's, it's, it's a tough call to get the offense, anything rolling in Kansas. But he was let go. Beatty will take over play calling. The thought is that Meacham was focused a little too more on the horizontal passing game where Beatty wants them to push the ball down the field a whole lot more. I don't know about Bender's accuracy and ability to hit players on the deeper running routes. I think that's that's the point is to run Puka Williams into the ground and then throw it deep. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to pin your, your 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 defensive game plan on just try to stop Puka Williams and you'll deal with a unproven quarterback to pick you apart deep. Right. Well, he's I mean Bender is a senior, but he has only completed 61% of his passes this year. He has uh, six touchdowns, just one interception, meaning that he does at least take care of the ball pretty well. Well, with a plus 13, their offense is taking, is taking care of the ball Yeah, in terms of not turning it over. That's true. It's Texas Tech is plus two for reference. Now, they haven't, turned over, they haven't turned teams over as well as Kansas has, but they've also turned the ball over a few more times in Kansas. I think they've thrown two interceptions in total, and they've got two or three fumbles, but... They do a good job with with not turning the ball over. They're just not super efficient and finishing drives. Uh, something that Brian will talk about a little bit later. I think that was one of the things that led to Meacham's firing is that they weren't they just weren't effective and and moving the ball and scoring with it. That's obviously the point of the offense. But did they did he did he discuss red zone percentage or anything like that? I think so, but I have to. If you're looking it up, you can go ahead and tell us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked it up. Okay. Um, okay, so before we get to that audio, let's go ahead and, and do the last little point. This game has a has a wonky line and that I've seen it two different places at Texas Tech minus 14 and a half mm-hmm. and then all the way up to minus 20 and a half. 21 points is a lot to beat Kansas. E- even Even West Virginia beat them by not 21 points. Right, they, they Kansas they, played them pretty darn close. They forced Will Greer to fourth to throw four interceptions. Yeah, three of them were in the red zone. Again, I'm I'm taking a lot of these notes from the conversation I had with Brian earlier. Um, so give me Texas Tech minus seventeen. That's that's the you're difference. setting your own line. I'm gonna split the difference. Well, because it's, it's a range. I saw two different ones. I'm I'm trying to see what it is on my score app. And it's currently sitting at, oh, man, they don't have it on here. However, yeah, I do. really do like your matchup of the defense, of the Texas Tech defense versus the Kansas offense. I think they've just been I agree. I agree with that one. Because yeah. their offense is ranked 112th. Yeah, I feel like our defense is going to be able to contain them pretty well. Uh, it sounds like even if, if all they do is – you know, try to pass it on us. The quarterback's not going to be super accurate. And then that leaves them trying to just run it on us. And Tech's been pretty effective at slowing down the running game this year. Brian also did mention that Kansas has been known to sl- start slowly. I was like, well, hey, Texas Tech does too. Yeah, we know that feeling. <laughs> um, it's not a, an 11 a.m. game, so I think um, – well, I don't know if that means anything. It, it meant something last week because Texas Tech didn't start off as slowly as they usually do. Um. It is Kansas. It's not a game that you're going to get all that hyped about. It's not at 11, though. I think if 
you can start faster than they can. If you can put them down by a couple of touchdowns, it's going to be going to be church early. Well, I, back to the the actual pick I, on the score app, it it has Texas Tech minus twenty right now. That's a lot. That's a lot I, of points. I would take Kansas on that. I, I right now, I, I would take. I, I don't. I don't want to put it on Tech to Against feel tech? like they've got to win by three touchdowns yeah. for us to feel like it's a success or not. But I don't. I don't think. I don't think they'll have to. I think they're going to eat up some clock with Duffy running the offense. That's just going to be a natural progression of it. There's going to be far fewer passes. Uh, Kansas is probably not going to pass yeah. it just a whole lot. I think the the game's going to go by pretty quickly, so it'll be pretty low scoring, which gets us over to the over-under at 76. That's too high. I'm taking the under on I'm that, too. So I, I'm going to agree with you in that. I think the game is going to slow down a little bit because of uh, who's running – the offense for Texas Tech, right? Uh, that twenty-one, that twenty-point line feels fairly large because I do think it'll it'll just be it'll it'll, it'll be closer because of there will be fewer possessions, uh, and I just think that you're going to win comfortably. I just don't think it's going to be a three touchdown win. Yeah, I mean, you know, thirty-one fourteen, something like that. I could see that feels too close, but that that is seventeen points. Yeah. Um, the other thing is not that history plays anything into this, but Kansas hasn't scored more than 19 points against you in like a decade. Not really. It was like 2009, 10, somewhere in that range. They scored 34 points. It was, they, it, it, they scored 34 points against you back to back years. Okay. But you beat them by like two or three t- touchdowns that year, those years. So when they have scored points, like on their best offensive performances, they've only gotten to 34 points. This is not their best offense. Right. This is your probably your best defense in that time frame. They may get to 20 points. It's going to have to happen in the first half because I'm going to call another second-half shutout. A second-half shutout. Calling it. Call my shot right we need, now. We need some sound effects to just <laughs> seal the deal on that one. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're due one. My gosh, we haven't had one in a whole – like three weeks by then. Yeah. And now we're going to turn it over and get to the Jayhawk preview with Brian Haney. All right, everybody. We are joined today by the University of Kansas Director of Broadcasting, voice of the Jayhawks. Texas Tech fans will be familiar with his name, Brian Haney. Brian, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, Spencer. Thanks a lot for having me, man. It's great to be on with you guys, and I'm certainly excited to – be back in Lubbock this weekend, get to be at Jones AT&T Stadium and see a lot of old friends. It's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, so that's that's something that I guess you provide a little bit of a unique perspective on, on this game since you have previously covered the Red Raiders. You were the voice of the men's basketball and baseball teams for four years or so here in town. Um, and then I, yeah, I guess you got your, your dream job. You're, you're calling back to Kansas. Can't fault you for that. Um, so there were, I guess, a couple of storylines that we've been all kind of following here. And I, I guess the biggest one has been about a week now, uh, since Doug Meacham has been let go. Where, how do you think the, the offense kind of shifts and adjusts, uh, with, with his departure and does the starting quarterback, who I guess is kind of in question who that might be, how does he play a role in, in, in how the offense will, will look on Saturday? Well, it's a great question, Spencer. And honestly, you know, we don't know specifically how different the offense will be 
but they're not going to try to reinvent the wheel in two weeks' time and put in a whole bunch of new stuff that they've not worked on before. I think, if anything, and listening to Coach Beatty last night on Hawk Talk, their plan is to implement more of what they've been working on since spring ball, but the Doug Meacham, for whatever reason, wasn't utilizing as much of on game day. And so the stuff that the, the team's going to utilize and some of the playmakers they'll try to showcase, it, it's not new. It's it's not Greek to them or anything. It's stuff they've been working on and guys they've been going to, but just a heavier emphasis of, of sticking with some of these plans that had not yet come to fruition in an actual game. So in terms of personnel changes, I think the only thing of note is that Peyton Bender is going to be the starting quarterback. He did not start the West Virginia game, but he did begin the season atop the depth chart as QB1, and they've kind of been having some musical chairs there for different reasons than what Texas Tech has, and obviously with not nearly as much success as the shuffling quarterbacks at Cliff Kingsbury. But uh, they like what they have in him. You know, folks that are still Mike Leach fans in your listening audience would like to know that Peyton started his career at Wazoo and actually had a big performance in the Apple Cup game as a freshman three or four years ago. He then went to Itawamba Community College after leaving Washington State, and this is now his second season at Kansas. And When he's been on, it's clear he's got the best arm of anybody on this KU quarterback depth chart. He's not fleet of foot, though. He doesn't have a lot of escapability. And so in terms of extending the play when the pocket's collapsing, he's, he's not the best at that. He's got to get it out quick and avoid taking sacks. He has been good in limiting turnovers this year, that's for sure. But he's also missed some throws that I know he'd love to have back. So the best way I can describe Peyton Bender to you is he has the highest upside in terms of arm talent of anybody on this Kansas roster. And maybe with David Beatty calling the plays now, uh, they'll be able to take more chances downfield as opposed to a lot of the lateral stuff out on the edges that we saw only go for three or four yards here or there. Maybe they take more chances. I don't know. But I, I do think that there's a lot more to Peyton Bender that we've yet to see that hopefully we'll get to in the second half of the year because he's only got six games left. And this was at one time a, a much hyped prospect coming out of high school that when Kansas got him coming out of community college, a lot of folks had really high hopes for him. And the future is now for Peyton Bender in this Kansas offense because to call it like it is, the defense has played well enough to win all but one week this season. And obviously Kansas sitting at two and four has not capitalized on some of those really good defensive efforts because the offense just hasn't been there. Best stat I can give you, Spencer, is that the Jayhawks have been better than anybody in turnover margin in the FBS and in turnover numbers in terms of takeaways. And yet of the 18 takeaways in six games, if you take out the three pick sixes where the defense themselves scored on the takeaway, They've got just 36 points off the other 15 turnovers. That's clearly not cashing in. And that was a big reason why they made the change that they did in relieving Doug Meacham of his duties. They want to capitalize on some of these big-time defensive plays. And if you get a short field, punch it in, man. Go get six. Uh, Not go three and out and give the ball right back. So that's part of what went into the rationale and the thinking of that move. And hopefully it'll pay off for Kansas here and what they have left on the upcoming season. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the turnover margin. I, 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 let's talk about that for a second. Kansas is currently plus 13. Um, I think Texas Tech is plus 2. So the the emphasis there on the defense is, is turning people over, and they obviously had quite some success. I think the the casual Texas Tech fan it would feel pretty confident in this weekend's matchup. I think, I think those that are more uh, a little deeper looking into the stats and 
and the starting quarterback for for Texas Tech, which would probably be Jet Duffy. Uh, he's kind of shown uh, issues w- with ball security, which I think plays right into the w- one of the strengths, obviously, of the Kansas defense. So how, how is how is that defense um, one able to? How are they managing to force so many tur- turnovers, and then how is the offense also taking care of the ball well enough to to maintain that 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 turnover margin that, like we said, it was a plus thirteen. Well, let's start with the second half of your question. Until the West Virginia game, the quarterbacks hadn't thrown a pick all year. And one of them ended up being a, a batted ball interception, and the other was just a misthrow, misread for the first true pick where the ball was thrown in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. And part of that is they just haven't taken as many chances. They've been a little more conservative. But then again, I think there's been a, a lot better recognition uh, before they make a throw of what the defense is presenting and and not as teams disguise blitzes or disguise the defensive fronts falling victim to that as we saw Stanley, Bender, and the like do a year ago for Kansas. I think you give some of the credit to the quarterbacks. You give some of the uh, explanation to being conservative a little bit in the throws. But that's pretty significant when you're playing game six and you've got to throw an interception. And the only other quarterback mistake in terms of giveaways is way back in the opener versus Nichols on a play where uh, ultimately the ball comes out on what was coming forward in a fumbling motion. That was the only time a quarterback gave it away for Kansas this year. So that's been a big part of a turnover margin that leads to the FBS. In terms of what's the defense doing, it's been great to finally see the defensive line work in concert with the secondary because we saw glimpses and flashes of, of both doing nice things the last couple of years but never a whole lot at the same time. And what I mean by that is, is pretty obvious football one-on-one. You, you get a great amount of pressure from your guys up front and you're going to force the opposing quarterback to, to throw a, a wobbly pass or, or throw – into double coverage because he's got to get loose of it. He's about to take a sack. And we've seen Kansas feast on some quarterbacks in non-con play that just turned it over left and right in Art Sitkowski, the freshman quarterback for Rutgers. And, and also when they were up at Central Michigan, which I'll point out to your listeners, was KU's first road win going back to 2009 at UTEP, about uh, four or five hours southwest of U down there in El Paso. They've not won on the road since then, but they got in Tony Polgen's face all day long, heated him up, rattled his cage, and he made a lot of mistakes. And in those two non-conference games against Polgen and Sikowski, not only did they have six takeaways in game 12 of them in total but three went to the house for pick sixes and so a lot of folks thought well you know that was just a competition and uh they're not going to back that up in league play but when you go on the road to morgantown and you go up against a heisman trophy contender who prior to the kansas west virginia game will greer had thrown 65 straight passes in the red zone without an interception and then he's picked off three times in the end zone or at the goal line, that was a pretty significant day for the Kansas defense. And it's not just two or three guys that are making the plays. Of their 11 interceptions as a defense, they've come from 10 different guys. So it's, it's been pretty remarkable to see the pick party they've had and how many different guys have gotten in on it. And then, you know, if you're talking about personnel to look for for Texas Tech fans watching, Daniel Wise is a future pro. His brother Dietrich plays for the Patriots. Uh, and he's probably going to be about a fourth-round pick like Dietrich was. He's a big defensive tackle. 
Joe Deneen is amongst the nation's leaders in solo tackles and has been for the last two years. He was a second-team All-American a year ago. and Some of that is opportunity because he's on the field a lot, but a lot of that is just being in the right place and, and being a really tough, hard-nosed, gritty linebacker. Kind of cut, cut from a similar cloth to Nick Reed, who was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year all those years ago. When Mike Leach, you may have heard the story, put the name Reed on the back of every Tech player's uniform one day at practice because he wanted him to play like Nick Reed. It was a guy that didn't have great measurables or a fast you know, 40 time or anything like that in terms of his God-given ability, but was just tough gritty and seemingly always in the right spot to make the play that's joe deneen 10 years later and then in the secondary uh you know mike Lee's back he'll be healthy this week he missed the last game he's a safety that you probably know about and uh they've got some guys you know of note that are still kind of maturing like corian harris a four-star signee they pick kansas over a lot of bigger name to major conference schools, the highest rated signing in KU history. He's been picked upon a little bit because we're talking about an 18-year-old kid, a true freshman. But I think in time, he'll become a really good player. and He's certainly bolstered the athleticism in that secondary for KU. So you, you touched on some of this a little bit, especially on the defensive side, but tell tell the, the, the I guess, the casual tech fan, uh, more so on the offensive side, players that maybe we don't know about that we should or that we definitely will after Saturday's game? Well, the guy you got to get to know if you don't know him is the inspiration for the Puka Magic hashtag. I don't have kids yet myself, but I know Puka Magic is, is something of, uh, of great interest to those that have little boys and little girls uh, in, in terms of, I don't even know, it's a TV show or something. But Puka Magic at Kansas is Puka Williams, the running back, a guy out of the New Orleans area that LSU wanted, and really everybody wanted. He could play for anybody. He's been on some midseason freshman All-America lists, and in one writer's particular case, he said he's the freshman of the year at the midseason. So he, he's been phenomenal. He did things in his first four starts that not even Gale Sayers had done at Kansas, one of the all-time great running backs anywhere. And uh, prior to the West Virginia game, had had a 40-plus yard run in each of the first four games of his career which only one other guy had done that this season uh, in terms of any player, uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, anywhere in America. And something that nobody had ever done dating back to 1996 at the FBS level in the first four games of their freshman season. So he's explosive. He's a guy that you truly believe can score it every time he touches it. And, and Puka Magic, or the Bazooka, which is what we call him because it's like he's firing out of a cannon or out of, out of a, out of a you know, military arsenal because he just has such explosiveness to him. He's the guy that at any given time Kansas wants to get the ball to and just let him do his thing, which is make guys miss, run past you, dart around you, explosive versatility and, and escapability in the open field. And I say versatility because he's explosive in terms of speed, but also, for a guy that's only 5'10", 170 pounds, he packs a pretty powerful punch. He'll run through you. He'll put his head down maybe more than they'd like him to because they want to keep him healthy. But this kid, he's a total package, and, and he's a fascinating story because, as it's been written, he's, he's missing some of the toes on one of his feet from a lawn-mowing accident as a kid. You'd think that would affect his balance and his change of direction. It hasn't. 
and, and he's got the biggest hands and most reliable hands of anybody in the skill possession uh, positions, whether it's receivers, running backs, tight ends, whatever. His teammates will all tell you, this is the best pass catcher on the team, and he's this little pint-sized running back. So I would look for Kansas to get him the ball in space. I would look for Kansas to, to try to feed it to him early and often because he's their best chance at keeping up with some of the dynamic playmaking capabilities of this texas tech offense and he's a marked man too i mean ever since his second game folks have been stacking the box with eight men to stop him and so kansas is going to have to get creative with how they get him the ball but number one is the guy you want to lock in on if you're showing up to jones on saturday afternoon he truly could play for anybody in this league and it's where you say that with kansas you know in terms of uh, true freshman talent that could have gone anywhere but they found a way to get him to ku absolutely i i it's just—it's unbelievable for, for for someone to have that kind of success. I guess so quickly in his career, he's averaging nearly eight yards a carry. So it's no doubt that um, you know Beatty and and the offensive staff are trying to get the ball to to Williams. I guess one more question about the football game this weekend, and I've got a couple other questions for you real quickly. But what would you say are some of the keys to the game? Well, David Beatty says this every week, and we rarely are able to do it, and it sounds like it's a broken record, but it's so true. And, and this is part of what went into the coaching change at OC. they got to start faster. You know, Kansas's defense, as I've noted, has played well enough to win five of their six games this year. But so often we see the Jayhawks playing from two or three scores back because the offense is stuck in neutral to start the game. And eventually the other guys break through and, and capitalize and, and go up 14, 17, 21. And playing from behind against a high-powered offensive attack like Cliff Kingsbury's bunch is, is not a good recipe for success. So the Jayhawks need to, to march down the field and find a way to punch one in early, show that they're going to hang around. And if they could possibly play from out in front, as long of odds as that sounds, boy, that would sure serve them well in terms of staying in it longer. I don't think they have, you know, delusions of grandeur to go lead it wire to wire when you go into Lubbock and you're expecting a shootout, expecting a game in the high 30s or, or maybe even worse. But I think if you want to be in it and have a chance down a score or two in the fourth quarter, which was the case for Kansas in Morgantown, down just 14 halfway through the fourth quarter. And if you watch the game, you know they fumbled a punt on the 38-yard line of West Virginia, they would have been knocking on the door of the red zone with a chance to possibly you know, pull within one score had they not muffed the punt. I think that's what you hope for if you're a Kansas fan heading into Lubbock. Just play well enough to be within striking distance late and then hope you catch a couple of breaks. But in order to do that, Spencer, they got to start quicker and not be playing uphill all day because you spotted the opposition 14 points in the first five minutes. How many times have we seen that happen in the Kansas-Texas Tech series? KU's only won once, and ironically it was down there in Lubbock in the Terry Allen era. They've had some close calls and, and put some scares into Tech, but it seems like more often than not, you know, they're, they're spotting Tech a lot of points early. And so I think this offense, with the new play calling coming from the head coach and, and returning to the original starting quarterback, they need to catch some fire early get some rhythm going and then obviously you can't predict or count on turnovers that's not something you can just chalk up 
but it's been a great recipe for success and competitiveness for Kansas. If they can find a way to win the turnover battle, as cliche as that sounds, you hear every coach say it. It is huge. It's the name of the game for this Kansas team and a real calling card in 2018 when you're talking about the club that leads the nation in turnover margin. Yeah, so you mentioned starting faster on offense. I think that's something that Texas Tech fans are, are familiar with the past few games, especially when you look at the, the two losses on the season to Ole Miss and West Virginia. They had disastrous first quarters where they were down 20, 21 points. Um, and then Texas Tech is able to to win the the last three quarters, but they were down so far it wasn't enough to come back. So it's I, it's something that Tech fans are, are familiar with. Now you mentioned this, and I have to go back to it. I'm sorry. You said lead wire to wire, and I, I have to bring up that basketball game <laughs> where Texas Tech went up to to Lawrence up there, led led the whole game, was able to come out a win. Do you think, or sorry, will Tech <laughs> will Tech be able to win in Allen Fieldhouse again this season? <laughs> um, nice segue because yeah, I was trying to say that yeah, I don't think Kansas football can lead wire to wire in Lubbock, and by that same token, I would be surprised if Tech basketball won two in a row in Allen Fieldhouse. Last year, obviously, was a huge win and the first win ever for Texas Tech up in Allen Fieldhouse, and they certainly, under Chris Beard, are going to have a lot of opportunities to do that on a year-in, year-out basis. I don't see it happening this year, though, oh, with come Kansas on. being a, a preseason number one or number two <laughs> team, depending on where you look. It's it's a front court that is as good as any you'll find. It's really just the opposite of what you saw from Kansas a year ago. They had one of the best backcourts and deepest backcourts in America, but they were so thin in the post. Now they lose Devontae Graham, Malik Newman, Sviatoslav Mikhailuk, but they add in a McDonald's All-American big, a David McCormick, a transfer former Tubby Smith player at Memphis in Diedrich Lawson, who had 36 double-doubles in two years at Memphis. He could be the Big 12 player of the year after starting as the Big 12 preseason newcomer of the year. And suddenly you go five deep in the post of big-time four- or five-star talents. So I think it will be tough for Tech to repeat back-to-back wins in Allen Fieldhouse this year. But I'm a big believer in what Chris Beard is building. And obviously I cheer for the Red Raiders when they're not playing Kansas every game because of my love for that program and the time I spent calling their games. Still have a lot of friends closely affiliated with that program. And obviously my second favorite venue to call games in uh, anywhere is United Supermarkets Arena. So really excited to see what it looks like this year for Chris Beard's balls. Yeah, absolutely. Had a, had a special season last year, obviously, for the team that went the first time to an Elite Eight. Um so I heard through uh, through one of the guys here at Taking the Plains that you are a collector of sports memorabilia. Tell us your favorite piece that you've collected and a little bit of a story behind it. I will give you a real good story because it's pertinent. Uh, Tex Winter just passed away. Former longtime Phil Jackson assistant helped design the uh, the famed offense that you saw. The, the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and, and all those great Bulls teams in the 1990s made famous the triangle offense. And, you know, he's a guy that before that was known for being the head coach at K-State in Manhattan. And when I was 9 or 10 years old living in Topeka, Kansas, where I grew up, my mom was a nurse, and she took care of Tex Winter's best friend on his deathbed. And she always had a great bedside demeanor. And, and in the conversations she had with Tex's buddy, mentioned that she had a nine-year-old son who idolized Michael Jordan. Well, this friend of Coach Winters calls Tex and says, 
hey, uh, we, we got this little sweet lady who's got a son who'd love to see a Bulls game. You think you could make something happen for him? So they pay to fly my mom, dad, and I out to see a game at old Chicago Arena. Bulls Jazz. We got to sit on the second row with Tex Winter's wife. And after the game, he takes me back to the locker room. I couldn't go in the locker room. I was too young. But I wait outside, and he comes out after about 15 minutes, and he's got a signed media guide by every member of that 90-91 Bulls team. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Bill Cartwright, John Paxson, B.J. Armstrong, all these guys. They're all signing their each individual page in this media guide, and he hands it to me. And if you know your NBA basketball, you know that that was the first year of their dynasty. Six titles in eight years. The only two they didn't win was when Jordan decided to play baseball for a couple of years. But it's maybe not my most valuable piece of memorabilia, although very valuable, certainly. But a favorite because of the story that, that went behind it and the graciousness and generosity that Tex Winter showed us. And to keep in mind, he's a former Wildcat helping out a Jayhawk and, uh, and helping out this family that had been kind to one of his good friends. So in this business, whether you're a broadcaster, a coach, a player, whatever, we always try to pay it forward. It's all about the relationships. And he showed me an unbelievable amount of generosity back then that really uh, made an impression on me to try and do the same for, for folks through whatever platform I've been given and did that as much as I could when I was in Lubbock and I do it now in Lawrence. And uh, as we celebrate the life of Tex Winter this week with uh, ceremonies later this week at Bramlage Coliseum there in Manhattan for the legendary coach, I, I love getting to tell that story because uh, it just goes to show you what, you know, being nice and, and, and doing something for folks, you know, can do and inspiring people even 30 years later to this day so that that's my favorite piece of memorabilia and a great story behind it about a really great man who just went home to be with the lord late last week uh, that's a really great story one last question before i let you go i promise it's an easy one you you don't know this but the 23 personal podcast is a food podcast first and foremost <laughs> uh okay no not really but you obviously having lived in lubbock for four years um are there any restaurants that you'll be seeking out to, to visit on your trip back this weekend? It's <laughs> a great question, man. There's, there's so many great ones um, that depending on the company and depending on the occasion, you know, I, I would definitely want to make sure I could hit up. Obviously triple J's has great atmosphere. We always take out of towners to follow the memorabilia on the walls. And I love the live music and the, beer and the pizzas and all that, but I miss the funky door and, and wine on tap. Uh, there's a great Thai place that I used to hit up on 50th Street, Thai Thai, and, and I, I miss that. You know, it's kind of a hole in the wall. Um, but man, Double Nickel's great. Uh, Nick's I used to go to all the time. Met my longtime girlfriend at Nick's, so you got great memories there. But uh, you can't go wrong with Lubbock Eats, man. If somebody once told me when I lived there they had the most restaurants per capita of any time, Lubbock size in America. And I would add, they have some of the best restaurants per capita. So I'll definitely be taking advantage of at least two of those places I mentioned when we're in town for about 36 hours later this week. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time this, this afternoon for for the, the podcast. Um, obviously, travel safe and good luck this weekend. Thanks so much, Spencer. Have a great day. You too. All right, we want to thank Brian for joining us. If you don't follow him on Twitter. He's at B Haney. It's B H A N N I. Some great things he does over there for the University of Kansas. There's some things we weren't able to talk about. Obviously, he um, he was here at Texas Tech. He's a KU grad. Was able to get back and essentially get into his dream job before he's 40. 
doing great things for them. He was, he was there before he came out to Lubbock for another decade or so after he graduated. There's one more thing I want to touch on. I didn't have time to ask him, but he's got a, um, a charity basketball event tournament called the rock chalk round ball classic. I'm really interested to, to see about that, but really, really thankful. He's able to join us. He, he, he threw out some great restaurants that he might be trying to get to in Lubbock. If you see him, obviously say hi. Very complimentary of Lubbock, as you just heard. But now we get to your questions. Yes, question time. Thank you for sending them in, everybody. Red Raider Reset, man. I feel like I say his name just about every week. Expansion talk. Who do you want to come into the Big 12? We only need two more to actually make it to 12 teams. He throws out his two choices of SMU and Louisville. Michael? Hard pass on... SMU Mustangs. <laughs> uh, I don't think we need another Texas team in the Big 12. Uh, I really don't think we need two more teams in the Big 12. It doesn't really help us that much now that we have the quote-unquote championship game that, that helps rule out any sort of TCU-Baylor-type issues from, what was that, 2013 or 2014, whenever that happened. They were both really good, and they were both left out of the playoff picture. Until they, yeah, I'm about to say, until they played each other. Right. And the one true champion. I think right. that's part of that nonsense. That was what came from that. Uh, Louisville's solid. I, I, I don't know if any team would leave where they are. Uh, I think some of the pack teams would consider it before any of the other ones. But Louisville, I thought, would be great when when we were first faced with all this with uh, teams leaving. That was when their football program was doing really well. Teddy Bridgewater was there. Charlie Strong was still happy <laughs> before before taking the job down in that was a long time ago in Austin. Um, that was before uh, Patino went through all his stuff too. So it before Lamar Jackson, yeah, who's already he's in the NFL currently, right? So it, I I think they really had some. Um, you know, now with their basketball program kind of going through a tumultuous time, they're they've lost a little bit of stock, but they'll bounce right back. They're Louisville; they've got a name behind them. I, I think that's a decent ad if we had to get to twelve teams, if someone mandated it. So Louisville and um, I'd like to, I'd like Florida State. <laughs> if we're just throwing <laughs> stuff out. There's oh there's gosh. no realistic reason that that would happen, but we'd get our foot in the door in the state of Florida. That wouldn't be bad. Uh, of course, so would Texas and everybody else. But I, I think realistically, you're looking at you know Colorado or uh, one of the Arizonas, maybe. See, I, one, I don't I don't think you're gonna get a previous Big Twelve member back. Probably probably not. That's not realistic either. I I really don't even know where you go with this. Maybe maybe a team like Boise State. But would, see, they, would be into they it. pose even more travel issues than West Virginia. Yeah, not, not like, arguing with that. Think about that that road trip for West Virginia to Boise State or Boise State to West Virginia. Yeah, but think about uh, and for baseball, yeah, for basketball. Like it's not not just for football, which you make once yeah, a year. Just all of the because basketball Olympic like, sports. Well, I guess if you got to twelve team conference, you wouldn't play round robin schedules. So right, you won't, you'd you have face to have divisions. Okay, so here's my take on this. Arkansas. 
one of two choices. I say you either do stay in the big, you stay in, in Texas and you get six Texas teams and six non-Texas teams. And that's your division, Texas pew, versus pew, the pew, world. Pew, pew. <laughs> so I was, I would say add like a Houston and then take your pick of the garbage that's left. I'd had Houston over SMU. I, even though I SMU, really don't want a Texas team, UNT. I would take Houston, I guess. Yeah. Uh, would probably be the first ones, then SMU, UTEP, UTSA Rice. Those are... Oh, UNT. No. Well, no, yeah. Abilene Christian. No. No? No. But then if Hardin you're not going to do... If you're not going to do that, I would either say, if you want that Florida tie, realistically, you go, either, you go after either South Florida or Central Florida. Yeah, that's then, true. Um, Florida Gulf Coast. FAU Owls, baby. <laughs> uh, it, see, and then if you were to do that, I wouldn't know if you if you add somebody else in that area, like just grab both of those Florida teams, or if you get somebody else from the East Coast or more Midwestern. I don't know. My other option that I, I had fully thought out besides adding a Florida team was to grab the two Arizona schools from the Pac-12. Get yeah. Arizona, Arizona State. Geographically makes... Decent sense, yeah. Not great, not great if you're West Virginia having to go to. That's a it's a rough trip. Yeah. Vice versa, as bad as the Boise travel. Yeah, probably. it's up there. All right, guns up, nation. Oh wait, he had a second. He had oh, a second part. Whoops, my bad. Also, wings baked, fried, or grilled. Okay, all right. So we've got three options here for our wings. Do you prefer baked, fried, or grilled? I'm gonna I'm gonna rank them. Um, ultimately, I do prefer fried wings i think that's number one i I breaded breaded or not fretted i think i I think that's the number number one way two grilled for sure grilled and then three baked so there's there's my rankings where where do you stand i I was gonna try to make just a ridiculous like go back to that uh those ranking posts of like number one fried two Nothing. Three else matters. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, yeah, all to if, the end. Um, which I kind of did that Seven, like ketchup and in, in jest to uh, uh, Don Williams and his like big tw- his AP tw- top twenty five ballot. How dare he not have? How dare he not include Texas Tech? Lubbock, Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Because if you asked Mac Mac Engel. That would have definitely been oh, on the list. Oh, we had to bring we had to bring his name up. Prof, so Prof Bro over there. We uh no see here's the thing is like he threw out that that bait and everybody bit it hook line oh, and sink. We all we us all included. fell for it. Both of us, both of us that you're he, listening to right now. He got the reaction he wanted. Yep. Um, and then played like oh that's not what I mean. <laughs> but here's the thing he gets like evaluated on on clicks and everything. Yep. He got a ton. He did. He got quite a few. He got. He got. And I'm. I'm ashamed to say I helped. I, helped I did that. too. Not. Not my proudest. Baked wings. If you're in a pinch, I guess they're okay. I've. I've had them. We've made them. I've know? never. Yeah. I have too. I've never had grilled wings. I. I would assume smoked is pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm putting smoked in that category because that's how we do them now. Yeah. Fried or really nothing. Yeah. Fried's. Fried's so good. Speaking of fried, though, hold on. We didn't really talk about our trip to Jones Cafe. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's what we should have talked about. Because we went on Friday, and we didn't have a game on Friday. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
I cracked him up. He's laughing so, so hard he fell out of his chair. Okay. No, okay, that's not what happened. So, a friend of mine is actually the the short order cook there, a chef. I don't know how you his official title. Mm-hmm. Colin Brown. Shout out to this this man frying some some goodness up for us. He was the mastermind behind our appetizer, bacon wrapped fried cheese. Yes. He he kind of took a he, he he looked like he or he seemed like he took the approach of just well shoot let's try it and see if it works and they they and experimented it with it and it does work <laughs> if if they fall apart a little bit but they do hold up pretty well and they taste great and the batter that he uses on that is is more of like a chicken fried steak batter it's, it's not the crumbly batter you usually no. get with the cheese stick the, the, with that. And when I say crumbly, I mean like it actually has little crumb balls or whatever. This was like sheets. Yeah, it was you, so good. You 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 would uh, tenderize a some ground round and dip it in this batter and chicken fry it, and you wouldn't know the difference. It's it's the batter itself is flavored really well too. So I that was great. Then we went on to hot dogs, and I think all of their hot dogs are bacon wrapped. Or Just at least about. The, at least the two we got were bacon wrapped. So you got the bloat dog. Yeah, bacon, lettuce, onion, avocado, tomato, and then it was also topped with chili and cheese because why not? It was great. No regrets. So when I was looking at the menu, I, I was like, well, if I don't get a chili and cheese on my dog, I want chili and cheese on my fries. I end, The menu was slightly different than I was expecting. I ended up getting a chili cheese dog, the touchdown dog. Mm-hmm. Also had bacon on it. Solid. Fantastic. And then we... we, we we split. Oh my gosh, we're so. <laughs> we have to try everything. It, it, it was a date, you guys. Yeah, it was a nice little lunch date. We split an order of chili cheese fries, so they're waffle chili fries. chili cheese waffle fries. Yeah, waffle fries. They were seasoned, fantastic. Yep. And so if you're if you're on the southwest part of Lubbock and you need a lunch spot, formerly known as the Chili Dog Cafe, they're now the Jones Cafe. Yep. They specialize in basically all things fried and hot dogs. This is not some place you can go often, <laughs> but they do. So they, they they do have live music. They do have some adult beverage options. Yeah, they have some drink specials, different things throughout the week. But if you're there for the food, you have to pace yourself. Otherwise, your cardiologist is going to shut you down. It's, it's gonna, totally worth it. He's going to take your credit card. Yeah, from you. I mean it, it is totally worth it. But it's it's definitely a place where you just you treat yourself. That was not on Brian's list of restaurants he would have to try when he comes back. <laughs> All right, sorry. Guns Up Nation, which stat do you think suggests improvement on defense at Texas Tech? I'm going to go points allowed because we I, I tweeted this out on the way to lunch on Friday. The Texas Tech defense is allowing 28 points a game this this season. You know where they were last year? I think we were at, what, 30, what did you say it was? I mean, it was like 34 or 38. That sounds right. Season before that, they were over 40. So, 28 points a game. If you're if you only give up 28 points in this league with as good as your offense is, you're going to win more games than not. And that's, true. that's a, that's a big, I mean, a touchdown difference in one season is a big difference. It's a big deal. Well, because that was always the, I think that was the thing that people like to point out in their posts about how bad tech's defense was, was that they, you know, the offense, they're capable of scoring 44 points, but Texas defense would give up 43. Averaged like 43 <laughs> a game or 45. or It was just something very neck and neck. So that's a good one. Uh, it, Guns Up Nation, they continue to say, do you think it's the turnovers for us last year 
were second in the Big 12 on third down defense this year, and that, I didn't know that. That's a big. I think they're they're only their third down defense. I think is forty percent. I didn't know that. I I think that's a really big improvement because I I remember just you couldn't stop anybody in third. No, down. third down was just third and nine, third and twelve, third and one. It didn't matter. They were going to get it or. They weren't going to get it, but we were going to have a penalty, penalty. <laughs> and they would get it that way. So just from a game-watching standpoint, I think that third-down defensive rate is probably the biggest improvement or suggests some of the biggest improvement. It, it sneaks up on you because when, when you go back and load a game, you're like, okay, you forced seven punts in that yeah. game against TC. You're like, that's right. Was not keeping tally of that during the game. It's like, that's a lot of punts. It just seemed, you know, That's it, obviously seven drives ended with them like, oh, we're going to punt it. Right. And because you stopped someone on third down. So there's at least far enough away seven they, times right there that they didn't attempt a field goal or go for it on fourth down. Yeah. You didn't let them get across their, their own 40 basically. So that's big. The turnovers is obviously it, it's quite a bit lower than it was last season. Uh, the thing that I, I think really correlates back to that is is your your defensive points allowed per game. While you're not forcing as many turnovers, you're essentially taking, you're giving your offense one more possession or one more chance in effectiveness by saying, okay, you don't have to score 35 to win a game. You have to score 28. Right. That's a huge difference. And it's, it's and, a full touchdown difference. And turnovers as people have pointed out that's not a game plan that's Which, not that's what brian says that's what everyone yeah it, it's like you listen to the interview <laughs> it's that's not that's not a game plan and that's not what you're you're not constantly coaching guys to to do that you're more concerned about getting the ball carrier down as opposed to getting the ball out a lot of it's just i don't want to say luck but that's what a lot of it seems to well, be. Recovering a fumble, it has almost everything to do with luck. It's yeah, just where you, where are fumble. you? Where did the ball go? How did it bounce? Because that one that you didn't recover against TCU, where the ball bounced on the player that was laying out of bounds. Oh yeah, like because the ball won the out of out of bounds, butt fumble or <laughs> one because that ball like just jumped into Coleman's arms, right? And he mm-hmm. didn't he didn't recover it on that, dropped it, and then everybody fell on it, but he fell on a player that was out of bounds. That had everything to do with luck and not your skill. Right? Of course not. Yeah, forcing the fumble was more the skill. Catching an interception is as part of skill. Um, recovering a fumble or catching a tipped pass is more of right. Luck. That's just kind of right place, right time. Okay, one more question. We're going a little long. Tyler Timmons, what percent chance do you give that Bowman plays Saturday? Plays. If he's not going to start, I I don't think he's going to play, and I don't think he starts. So I'm going to say zero. I'm going to say zero because here's the thing. I guess we touched on this last week. I don't think you need him to win this game, and you definitely want him 100. percent Which is what Kingsbury said recently. You want him 100 percent before you, you put him out there. You don't want to. You don't want to chance any re-injury or aggravation of that injury. You don't want to set him back because the following week, going to Iowa State. You're going to need your best opportunity to win. If that's Bowman, then you need him ready to go. If he gets injured this weekend against Kansas in garbage time, really going to put some pressure on Jet Duffy. And, well, and, and Cliff team. Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, then there's going to be a lot of, why did you have your, you know, why did you have your quarterback who 
had a partially collapsed lung three weeks ago out there. Because yeah, up if, if thirty-one to fourteen. If this season doesn't, if something happens, this season doesn't go as we're kind of thinking it might the rest of the way, and Kingsbury's job security is called into question, how he handles this quarterback situation is going to play a big part of it. If he throws Bowman out there and it backfires, that's going to be a huge mark against him. Right. Well, and but if he like if if he ends up with the same win loss total that he would, that would call his job security into question. But didn't play Bowman. There's a little bit of he had to play three different quarterbacks. I think we can understand that he didn't put them in in jeopardy. Whereas you you may may be able to say that with McLean Carter, but he's not your only quarterback you can win a game with. Well, and that's that's where we get to. Uh, and I didn't really realize this, but Seth had this on the morning stake on Monday. We kind of transcribed uh, uh, some interviews with uh, Kingsbury, and he said, this is from Seth's post, he said, there's a few things I wanted to point out, namely that Kingsbury thought that McLean Carter would be able to go at quarterback, and after a few plays, it was obviously obvious that he couldn't play. Kingsbury said that he and Carter need to have better communication. So he kind of... He he didn't really blame Carter, but he you could tell he was upset with him for him to for him to word things that way in a public you know a public forum because Kingsbury likes to keep stuff kind of close. You can read into that a little bit. So he, I think he's going to be very cautious with Bowman, uh, based off of what just happened with Carter with that one series where like you, like everyone saw he, he the kid couldn't move and it was you know. It's not his fault necessarily. He's still hurt, but he must have been telling Kingsbury he was good to go, and Kingsbury because, yeah. trusted him because he was a quarterback too. And when he said he was good to go, he was good to go. And I'm, I'm sure he, kind of leans that way a little bit. He trusts his guys as much as he can. Yeah, because we saw at the end of the first half in the TCU game, he was on the sideline talking to to McLean Carter. Yeah, having that conversation. Are you ready to go? In, in case we do this, are you ready to go? Yep. All right, going yard. Have an update on the fence. Oh, did you get it open? No. Or did, Wait. No, no, you got it open. Here's the update. Nothing has changed. <laughs> the update is there is no update. The, the gate update is, is firmly firmly open and not closing completely. Yes. So if you know where the 23 personnel HQ South is located, you can get into our backyard. You can, you can get all the way through our backyard. Sure, obviously. yeah. Uh, most days we leave the doggy door open so the dog can go outside. Not big enough for a, a grown human to get through. She's a small dog. But I'm a little disappointed in the warranty team because, one, they said, no, that's not really our deal, whereas I've heard other builders kind of take on that warranty. The other thing, is, other thing is I asked him, I was like, if it's not you, then who is it? He said, it's not, it's not usually us, but I will get out there and, and shave off part of the fence for you. Not yet. Has not showed up. It's been almost two weeks now. My gate. Probably be here tomorrow. No, I'm going to have to email him again. <laughs> also, this this weather, I'm really looking forward to it because it's just cold enough that the Bermuda is going to check out. It's going to go dormant. Oh, my gosh. My grass is – it had checked out before this cold weather hit. It's going to look pretty hideous. My fescue is going to be – I know the the one so pristine for the Halloween. one thing, and you you may notice because you notice these type of things. But I was telling Adam the other day, I he's in Burleson, so he's stuck 
mowing a little bit later than than probably we will be or I will be anyway. And I, I told him, I thought, man, I am just going to do everything in my power to only mow one more time this year. I, I said, it may just look like complete trash. The Bermuda may be hanging over the curb. I don't know, but I want to just, just edge it. I just want to mow an edge one more time this year. Cause I, I remember mowing a couple of times in November before, and it was just the whole time I was out there. I was just like, this is so dumb. <laughs> Why am I mowing well, see, in November? I, this is terrible. I love to mow. It's fine. I, you know, I, I, I enjoy it for week. what it is, but at the end of the season, I am ready to wrap it up, put some fuel additive in that gas and just <laughs> let it sit there till March or April. So uh, I'm I'm hoping to hold it out. This, uh, this is like no mo October, <laughs> and then maybe Halloween ish. I can I'll, I'll mow it weeks. for the last time. Two yeah, I, I I would love to get another freeze. I'd love to get one more freeze before I <laughs> before I mow it. Well, so we'll see. The next actual freeze will definitely send all the Bermuda into dormancy. Exactly. So I, I want just one more. And if okay, so maybe I do have to wait to November, but at least it won't be because I did it too soon. It'll be because I waited to, to, probably a little bit too late. All right. Last thing, what do we learn, Michael? I I think you said you had something specific to talk about here. Yeah, I have a quick thing. I I, I learned that um, my friend Chad, who was part of the Hub City Cookoff barbecue judging team last Thursday, it's as prestigious as it sounds. Go ahead and Google it. So jealous. Yeah. He was uh, he was part of that. He said that he is going to do what he can to try to get me on that judging team next year. So I am going to start start my campaign officially on Thursday on Staking the Plains with my weekly Eats and Bounds post to try to get that ball rolling. So if you know anybody at the Lubbock Chamber, tell them. We do. Tell them that I need. He's we a do. Question submitter. We do, Kyle. Yeah. Kyle. Okay, Kyle. If you're listening, yeah, I may have to We've tag a couple. I may have to tag him. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm I'm putting my resume out there officially Thursday. I'm announcing my candidacy for Hub City Barbecue 2019 judge. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna slow play this and go for 2020 judge. Oh man! So it'll be like a panel of Chad, Michael, and myself. <laughs> It's going to be good. <laughs> so we'll slowly take it over. The other thing, so the thing I learned, sorry. No, I'm good. You were Go for it. Okay. I just jumped right in. Yeah, jump in. Ready to wrap this thing up. <laughs> if you know your cook at a, at a food restaurant, they're going to take care of you. No kidding. We, we got, we, I'm just going back to the Jones Cafe experience. We, uh, we had some good stuff there. We did. I had a good conversation with Colin. That's, that's how I, we found out that the bacon wrapped fried cheese was actually his invention brainchild, his brainchild. Um, he actually specifically called out Spanky's and I'm going to do it right here too. Cause, uh, he said they, they claim to have the best fried cheese in Lubbock. And I was like, you know what? I think they're wrong. I think so too. As much as I like Spanky's fried cheese and I do, it's good, but it doesn't have bacon. It doesn't have bacon around it. And the batter's not as good. Best fried cheese. I, I, and bigger's not always better. I have learned where the best fried cheese in Lubbock is. It's at 82nd Frankfurt. It's, a, it's at the Jones Cafe. Yes, sir. All right. I want to thank Brian again for joining us. I want to thank Michael for hosting us here. Thanks again for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast.